Hi, this is Shelley Treacher from the Binge and Overeating Recovery Podcast. Today I'm talking about anger and binge eating, but let's start with the Q&A part of this podcast. Three questions have come in, which I think you're going to relate to. The first one is, do you think that a person can just binge eat because they're greedy? This is such a great question because most of my clients come in thinking that they are just greedy. But let's have a look at what greed actually is and how it makes you feel. In the case of binge eating, it's a compulsive need to satisfy an urge. The need to keep eating and drug use actually appear really similarly in the brain's pathways. They follow the same pathways as any addiction. This may feel really good at the time, but it often feels so much worse very soon afterwards. The compulsion to eat, like any other addiction, is usually a way to cope with emotional difficulty. The various substances or behaviours act as a way to soothe pain or discomfort. They do do that. One of the characteristics of addiction, though, is the feeling that something is never enough. So the compulsion increases as we try to fix that need. One of the reasons it's not quite hitting the mark is because it's not the right solution to the real problem anyway. So my answer would be that there is always more to it. It's possible that there might not always be emotional difficulty behind the desire to eat. There might just be a genuine need for nutrition or a sensual pleasure in eating. So perhaps it's worth exploring the manner in which the greed takes place and the state the body is in when it happens. This will give you some clues as to what's underneath the greed. You may have noticed that I'm saying the word greed with an inflection, and that's because it's worth noting that often this is used in a really judgmental way. So my real answer is to urge you to be more compassionate with yourself and to use different words and different language and different understanding of what's actually happening for you. Even a desire to eat is less judgmental than the word greed. This brings me on to the second question. How do you deal with having a rough day and feeling like a certain type of food will at least let me be happy for a minute? This is another great question because I think it's something that everyone can relate to. This question was asked in my Facebook group and I have to say my group responded so beautifully to it. I felt quite proud because they were first and foremost compassionate and I think that's always the answer to lead with compassion. Firstly you have to forgive yourself for wanting the food and then maybe even for having the food because the next step of wondering what's behind your need for the food requires compassion. I'm going to talk a little bit today about mindfulness and having a pause between emotion and reaction. You might find this useful in this context as well. In the group, I posted a poem by Pema Chodron. I'm going to read it for you now too. The truth is that things don't really get solved. They come together and fall apart. They come together again and fall apart again. It's just like that. The healing comes from letting there be room for all of this to happen. Room for grief, room for relief, for misery for joy. The truth of overeating, because it's a way to manage how we feel, is that it will take time to learn to do something different and to learn to be compassionate with yourself where you haven't been. 
So next time you catch yourself eating the junk food that you wish you weren't eating, turn it into an exercise of curiosity rather than telling yourself off for it. See if you can forgive yourself for wanting this thing, but be interested in why you want it. And we have a third question, which is equally as relevant and good. I struggle so much to let myself feel what I'm feeling. I don't accept my emotions, which I know just leads to suffering. It's a vicious cycle, yet so hard to see when I'm in it. So that's not actually a question, but it's something that I want to respond to. To some extent, this goes hand in hand with the last question. How can you recognise how you feel when you don't want to and aren't conditioned to? So first, I just want to say that it is really hard to jump out of a stress response. It's physiologically impossible, never mind emotionally. So everything I'm about to talk about to do with anger applies here as well. It's a gradual process, learning to pause between emotion and reaction. It really takes practice. If you think about how long it took you to become good at something that you're good at in life, I mean, maybe that's your job, your career, or maybe it's the way that you relate to your children or a hobby that you've got, it really takes time to become good at something. This is a skill that has to be learned. Another way of looking at this is to start to observe your desire to stay away from your emotion as self-protection. Once again, with compassion, let your desire to eat be there, but explore it and try and understand it. Be curious. Learn to observe it as a reaction to stress before you look at the actual stress. And then little by little, become more aware of this in your body, this need for stress relief. How does your body do it? Engage with the protection first. Understand everything you can about how you're protecting yourself before you ask what you're protecting yourself from. This will give you a really good grounding in starting to understand yourself and to relate to what's going on in your body and your experience. And then it often leads way to understanding the stress. That's it for the questions for today. But if you have any questions that you want answered, I would love to answer them. I'm working up to doing this podcast more frequently at the moment. So I'd really love your questions to be a part of it. And just know that everything you tell me is completely confidential. I'll never mention names unless you explicitly tell me that it's okay to do that. So now let's turn to anger and binge eating. First, what is anger? Anger is often such a difficult emotion for the binge eater because, as a client put it, anger was not acceptable in my house. I was taught, because it's what they were taught, that anger was disrespectful. I would be sent to my room to deal with it. Can you relate to that? I think most of us can. But anger is a necessary emotion or function. It's just how we express or deal with it that can be the problem. Anger can be a sign that something is wrong and an attempt to stand up for yourself. It is often from fear or protest about suffering or a response to feeling you've been treated badly. The underlying voice of anger is often, you can't do this to me. It often comes from something real where your goal was cut short by someone else's goal. The angry person had an intention that just didn't work out, where they expected something to be different to how it is. 
Anger can be from being overwhelmed by too many emotions at once. You might call that stress. It can be fed by shame. It, be, it can be caused by stress addiction or a need to withdraw. It can also be caused by biological issues. But wherever it comes from, anger is usually ineffective at resolving a situation. Anger can either go outwards as an explosion or it can turn inwards as an implosion. Often a binge is a response to anger and a version of this implosion. Where the anger is taken out on yourself, often as a self-punishment. Can you relate to that? Are you angry when you say these words, stuff it, I don't care, just before a binge? The words that come with anger are often like this. They made me do this. I wouldn't be angry if it wasn't for them. I was fine before they started. They deserve it. It has a sense of blaming the other person and it can be about a sense of self. Often we're thinking that the other person is selfish and in it for themselves. Often arguments are about who is right. And sometimes when it comes from intolerable shame, it's an attempt to make the other person feel the shame that we feel. Anger is a deep and visceral experience that gives you energy and makes you feel powerful. It gives you the same hit or payoff as addiction. In the brain, it looks similar to happiness and arousal. It's the same as what I talked about earlier, where binge eating and addiction follow the same pathways. This is the same. Anger does the same thing. Anger is wired to make us feel better. It comes with a sense that you need to do something about it. This comes from the fight or flight system. If anger didn't feel good, we might not have fought for survival. You can start to see the complexity here. Sometimes we may still need to fight for survival, but often it causes much more harm than good to vent anger. As mentioned, for the emotional eater, anger might be causing you to eat. Here, it's likely that you feel underconfident about asserting your needs, so you turn your anger inwards. Binge eating is similar to anger in that it feels good. But binge eating is often self-punishment, self-hatred and a lack of respect for your body. Underlying this is often anger and hurt. So the place you need to get to is one of healthy use of anger rather than self-blame. How was anger treated in your family? Why are you angry? These are some questions I'd love you to answer. My mother always told me that I had my father's temper. I understand her doing this. It must have been horrifying for her to see it. But in my mind, as an impressionable child, this was a bad thing. So I learned to feel shame about my anger, which has led to me taking it out on myself many times in my life. We have the message in our culture that you're losing it if you're angry, where actually it's there for a reason and that needs healing. Here I want to talk about trauma and relational history a little bit. Often we're angry because of a dysregulated fight response to trauma. This dysregulation is often formed in childhood. Feelings are the hardest for us to manage as a baby. If our caregivers responded to our emotions and expression with fear, anger, or by switching off, this will have affected how we express ourselves. 
So if your caregivers ignored your feelings or became anxious or angry themselves when you had a feeling, you might learn to keep quiet about it. But the resentment builds inside. Here, our lack of expression feels like self-protection because we relied on these people to survive. But suppressed anger can be ready to come out in a destructive explosion or in other ways like self-hatred and punishment. The way our expression was treated as a child also affects the the way we now relate as adults. Arguments in adulthood are often about abandonment and rejection. Being shut out triggers rage. Another person's passivity and avoidance can trigger fear and the knee-jerk response to protect yourself. If you had trouble with any of these as a child, your fight response might be super activated. You may blame the other for how you feel. We all do this to some extent. It's so much easier than working out what our response means and how it relates to our history. And it's certainly quicker and easier than learning to pause before reacting. Which brings us on to the last part of today's podcast. How can you cope with anger? I'll explain this in 10 steps, although there are so many other ways that you can cope with anger. But here are 10 things you can try. The first one is to understand how being less explosive or implosively angry is of benefit to you. Write a pros and cons list. This is along the same lines as exploring the protector. So it's exploring why your defence or why your coping mechanism is there in the first place, how it actually behaves and what job it thinks it's doing for you. Number two is understand the difference between fiery, losing it inanely in rage and calm assertiveness. Number three Become aware of your physiological response to anger. Become aware of your breathing. It will be faster. Your heart rate will be faster. There may be an adrenaline surge. There may be heat in your body that's being released. You might have a tone of voice that's a bit louder or sharper. Try using a soothing voice instead. Number four. What an explosion or implosion of anger often shows is that we don't know how to put on the brakes. If we detect a threat, our nervous systems can accelerate from 0 to 100 in a split second. So what's needed is the practice of using our parasympathetic brake system. We need to be able to limit and inhibit our limbic acceleration. Begin by coming aware of the urge to release anger. Then... Surf that wave, just being aware of it without venting. Catch that moment between emotional reaction and response and create a pause. This is the practice of mindfulness. So you can get a lot of help from YouTube or anything online that's free in how to stay with how you feel. Number five, see anger as just a state just one part of you. This part is trying to be understood, just like all the other parts of you. You are not a bad person for being angry. It's normal and it's necessary. Number six, understand what's beneath the anger. What triggers it and what beliefs are there that keep it going? Anger always has a message, so try to work out when it's useful and when it's not. 
Ask who you are angry with and who else. Number seven, name and express yourself to the right person. This helps to release the energy of it in a less destructive way. Number eight, use the energy of anger. Screw paper up, hit cushions, scream into a pillow, or just channel it into something you're interested and excited about. Number nine, you can sing through complaints. This is a funny one, and of course that's the point. You'll probably end up smiling and laughing rather than being angry. And number ten, it's actually really hard to stay angry if you do this. Just open your hands in a receptive gesture, comfortably. So we come to the end of this podcast. As mentioned, the binge eater is more likely to squash rage and anger in favour of taking it out on themselves. It's often said that it's people who don't express anger that we really need to worry about. Anger needs to be heard and understood. It's a signal of something you don't like. It's there to help you protect yourself. So you need to learn to become curious rather than switched off to start observing and understanding that self-hatred and punishment and creating a compassionate barrier instead. I want to end on a story that I heard recently told by Joan Borisenko. She went to visit the juvenile justice system and she was quite nervous and she didn't really know how to address the people there so she was hoping it would go really well and she tried something called muscle testing on them. This is, you might have heard of this, this is where you hold your arm up and somebody gives you something or says something to you and you're supposed to resist the arm uh, going down with somebody placing their arm on top of you. And she tried this with the words anger and with the words love. And quite surprisingly, with anger, when the juvenile justice system kids were thinking about something they were really angry about, they found it really hard to resist the arm going down. Whereas with love, when they were thinking about their families and people who mattered to them, they found it really easy and their arms were really strong. As always, compassion is the real strength. And love is really the answer. Thank you once again for listening to me. I will be coming back sooner this time and the next couple of podcasts I'm going to talk about anxiety and I'm going to talk about self-regulation a little bit more. So look out for the next one in two weeks time. Meanwhile do keep sending me your comments and questions. This week we're coming to the end of the latest Understand Your Eating program but the next one is already enrolling so should be taking off in May. So if you're interested in going further, please send me a message and I'll send you all the information that I have. Thank you. I'll see you next time.